2: I felt like the heist when they get into Lorea's jungle compound was almost like too easy, like there was no drawn out kind of tension or set right. piece. You know, I find it
0: tense, but it's it not as tense, tense as
2: other. It was tense, but it felt like they were too slick. They yeah. kind of just took everyone down really yeah. easily, and then they were out of there. And I was like, oh, is that it? They've kind of got away
3: with the money. Hundred and third episode of Flix Watcher podcast is coming into your ears. Thank you very much, guys.
1: Hello, film fans joining us for this episode of Flix Watcher podcast. We have Aaron, hello, Matt, hello, hello. and Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> bra,
2: bra, bra. <laughs> No, I did Kobe Cobolino. Be Cobes. <laughs> the man.
3: Cobayasha, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to review, <laughs> Triple Frontier.
3: As always, guys, we have all the show notes online at flickswatcher.tv for all the episodes. So please come and visit us there. Of course, join us on Twitter at FlicksWatcherPod. And please come to iTunes, rate us and subscribe.
1: All films featured in the podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording and please be aware there will be spoilers and some language that may offend. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watch Podcast. In our studio today we have Iran and Matt. If you would like to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit about the work that you do please.
2: My name is Iran Creevy. I am a writer and a director. Um, my first film was a film called Shifty for which I was nominated for a BAFTA and uh, I've since made two other films Welcome to the Punch and an action film called Collide and uh, got my own production company called Invisible Kid which I've just set up and that's it used to direct music videos and commercials um, and used to do it with Matt who's here with me now we used to be co-directors and we used to co-direct stuff with Take That and
3: such bands So what's what co- what, uh, Take That? videos that you shot.
2: Well, when did we shoot? We shot one called cool For Kids, didn't we? We shot one... Well, Matt had already directed... What was the video you first directed to Take
0: That? I did a video... For... They did their... When they did their comeback, when mm. they... they got back together again, um, I did a video for a track called The Flood. Yeah. Um, I was... I've still, to this date, I have no idea why they asked me to do it. Other than... Because you always have all this... There's the... my bullshit ometer always rises quite high when when the person who's kind of pitching to you from the record company was like, oh, they really like what you've done. I was like, they've never seen anything. Than, no, 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 they really, really like it. And then the only thing I'd really done at that, I'd done a film called Road to Guantanamo, but they definitely hadn't seen that. But then they, were, I'd done a film called Sex and Drugs. I was mm. like, did someone just say to them, do you like sex and drugs? And they were like, yeah. And that's, that's probably how I got the gig, which is not a bad way to get a gig. But, I, but yeah, so I, so we did that one together. And then because I'd done one, they came back and said, uh, would you like to do another one? And I was in the middle of trying to finance and uh, make a film about my dad, really, which we ended up making with Ray Winston and Jim Sturgis and Leslie Manville and Luke Evans, uh, called Ashes. But we couldn't get the money and the money was there and there wasn't, and the cast was there and all that kind of thing. And, but I wanted to do this, this thing would take that. And then I spoke to Iran and, and he was like, well, let's just do it together. And so we kind of ended up...
2: Yeah, because you were busy making the film and then yeah. you said can you write the treatment for this? Can you write the treatment for this music video? Pitch it. Pitch it. So I just quickly bashed it together on, and on, um, on my laptop. We sent it over... As just as me and you pitching it together, we got the pitch. Then the next one, we were flying out to Bulgaria to shoot in the New Buyana Studios, which is like owned by Avi Lerner, who makes all the Expendable movies. <laughs> and they've got like big New York sets over there, and they've got the the Conan the Barbarian that made with Jason Momoa. They they never get rid of their sets; they just reuse them on any movie that goes and gets made there. It's incredible. And um, Should we talk about the actual true story that happened when you had to? Go on, then. We've never talked to anyone about this before. I'm, much more, p- I'm not really much more
0: exclusive. <laughs> I'm any much more professional than this.
2: We uh no, yeah, you are completely more professionalist, <laughs> but we were both meant, we were both co-directing it together. So the first day, it was it's all about this kind of it was this spaceship which is in the shape of the take that symbol that lands down over New York. Take that come out of it. It was massive budget music. Yeah, video I was don't like, know what you were thinking when you wrote the treatment. Yeah,
0: I know. Well the saddest thing was because I was in the middle of production, pre-production on this film. So Iran basically said, Don't worry, I'll write a treatment, it'd be fine. And he sent it to me, and it was something had happened. There was some tube strike or something was going on, and my phone wasn't working, so he sent it to me, and I had to go and pitch it to the band. Yeah. But my phone wouldn't download it, and to the point where I still didn't have it as I was going up in the lift with their manager. So I was about to pitch them this amazing idea that I didn't know what the idea was. It was horrific. I was sweating, and I just went, I really need the loo, and I legged it over to the loo, and I was just like, okay right, I've got it, I've got it, ran out. And they were like, right, what's this idea? And I had to pitch them, basically, read it off my phone. And so, here's <laughs> this amazing idea, which Ryan had come up with, thinking that we had a budget of 10 million, presumably.
2: No, but it was a big budget. It was like 250 grand music video, wasn't yeah, it? Was it? And it was, the, it was where Robbie had just come back into the band. Okay. So it was like that first album where he came back and he was in the music video. And I think it was the first video where they'd all done together, back as a kind of, as a team, like all five of them whatsoever. But... um, so on the first night, we were shooting all the band and all the music stuff and all the crowd. It was like minus five, wasn't it, in Bulgaria? Shooting on these backlots. And, the and when you watch the video, it's just like, it's, it feels really big budget because we had army and helicopters and tanks and everything in this music video. But we were shooting all that stuff the next day and um, Matt couldn't be around for day two but I had the, to go and pitch
0: this other film yeah, to it go a and make pitch or this break movie. day to so, see if we'd
2: get the money but we had to pretend that Matt was staying with me because we were being hired as a team to co-direct this music video together so on the first night after we finished shooting with the band we are all back at the hotel having beers and stuff and Matt had to had to duck out of the hotel I had to go, had hide to go through the, the kitchens please. via the services get into a cab that was waiting get on a plane that was waiting for him to fly back to England there's a but passenger night, by was,
0: waiting for me yeah a
2: passenger whilst well, all I I was still sitting with the band and stuff in the hotel, Whereas with them. Where's Matt? He's absolutely knackered. He's gone up to bed because they were all the band were flying out that night the
0: right. next morning anyway. So it was just me on my own. But then one of the guy, one of the music guys from one of the guys from Sony basically like was still, he came there, he was like, I'm catching a plane, but I think there's a cab waiting outside for am I going with Matt? Is it? And everyone turned around and looked at him and went, What are you talking about? No, I've got to shoot tomorrow. And everyone's like, Yeah, that'll be ridiculous. And then he went off, got in the cab, I had to get another one. And then he—he he was he getting on the, the same plane. Couch. So it's the most—it was like the most pathetic. It was like a kind of spy comedy where I had to hide behind a newspaper for the <laughs> entire thing with my hands shaking. So he didn't see me. Apparently, he found out later. <laughs> yeah. Then we just shot, and I just
2: shot.
3: And him and him I
0: never with worked the, music.
2: the next day. next. They shot
3: the next day with the with the guns and tanks and stuff. With the guns and tanks, and all like guns and tanks which, and did all the cool stuff. Yeah. Which kind of ties in with Triple Frontier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, nice. I like the link you did there. Exactly. I'm looking forward to yeah you know, what you did on on Clyde as well with. Um, with the, with the action and Triple Frontier. Can you tell us why you brought Triple Frontier to the table and what well, happened to it?
2: Well, when me and Matt were talking, I wanted to watch Black Hawk Down because I can't remember why, but I'd been talking about Black Hawk Down and mm-hmm. Matt said to me, mate, we can't watch films we've already watched. We let's watch something new that we've never seen before. And I was like, well, all right, but Black Hawk Down's a bit of a classic. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I remember us both talking about Black Hawk Down and loving yeah, it. it's great. So I've got this theory, right? I, I, I heard this somewhere else. So this is not my own theory. But there's this thing called post-aesthetic and pre-aesthetic. Have you heard about it? No. So post-aesthetic is kind of before the age of 14, before you've formed your aesthetic of what you like in movies. And kind of, you know, like when you used to watch things like Short Circuit, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and you sort of you think, wow, that movie was amazing. Then you watch it when you're in your sort of like now, and you're like, wow, that movie's rubbish. How did I ever think that movie's any good? Because that's like pre-aesthetic, before you'd formed what you like. And then when you form your aesthetic, it's kind of from that age from about 14 to about, 19, 20, 21, perhaps. Right. And that was like my my formative years, like where I was watching, as you know, talking about Jonathan Ross, and those martial arts movies that were like on BBC Two or Once Upon a Time in the West or Sergio Leone. And when I was growing up, like massive movies for me were Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, mm. Predator. Tony Scott was like one of my, my hero when I was growing up. So I just really... And that kind of really imprinted heavily on me and those kind of John Woo style action movies. Sure. So, and... On my second film, like Welcome to the Punch, I got to work with Ridley Scott and yeah, yeah. he was the executive producer on the film. So that was like a dream come true to be working with him every week. And
3: was, it, was it a Scott Free production?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he was like the executive producer. It was yeah. like a Scott Free production on Welcome to the Punch. So that was like a really amazing process. And in fact, I think Tony Scott passed away when we were just kind of just in the post-production mm-hmm. of that movie, which I was kind of really upset about because he'd been one of my heroes growing up. But um, But yeah, so in that period of like forming what my aesthetic is and what you know and in that period is like when you listen to hip-hop and music and um, i mean the hip-hop i still listen to now
3: is like 90s flavored hip-hop that i sort of still I, I, drake i don't understand don't get it <laughs> no, <yeah. Kendrick laughs> mumble Lamar. rap i just don't get so for me it's like yeah i, I completely get what you're saying i and me, me and helen were talking about this and like when people were first introduced to star wars i said you were saying it's like Fifteen or so. If they, if they watched Star Wars for the first time after fifteen, you were like they wouldn't like it. But I was like, I think there's a bit more leeway with with a film which is actually good. But I totally get the aesthetic of me for is like Oasis and hip hop and and some kind of rock music. And outside of that kind of bubble. If it doesn't kind of conform with that, it has to be something truly amazing. To yeah, and even hip hop I listen to that, yeah. now, I like I used to grow up loving like
2: Big Daddy Kane and Brand Nubian and all mm. the kind of sort of like rare East Coast hip hop of, of that era. And even now, the hip hop I listen to has to kind of hark back to that style. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't listen to it. It's too minimalist and too like mumblecore or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but so that so that was a big part of like. Um, why I wanted to become a filmmaker. Why I wanted to get into the industry. My dad used to own a video store as well when I was a kid. So used, my stepfather used to own three different VHS rental stores back in like the late '80s and early '90s. You'd have been my yeah,
1: favorite. favorite friend at school. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, you know, I got dad, plenty of that. You know? like, or I, I, I. I'd get into the shop after school and they'd say, oh, your mate was in there earlier saying he knew you, so he gave me fr- I was like, I don't know that kid. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be like, no, he, t- he took out about eight films. <laughs> no, like never came out. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, I'm in the class of Iran. Yeah. But... Um, he never rewinds, he can't come back. Yeah, yeah. yeah he can't kind of come But yeah and, I, yeah, and I just sort of spent my life, my sort of kind of those teenage years in a, v- in a VHS store, rental store, under the basement, watching every movie go in. And a lot of those movies were those kind of action movies, like that sort of hark back to things like Black Hawk Down, or that reminded me of movies like Triple Frontier, even though I hadn't seen it. I was like, oh, that looks like one of those films that as a teenager, I would have absolutely loved.
3: So, and what happens in Triple Frontier? They've got a two minute synopsis window.
2: Right. So I have I had to write the names down because they got some like Oscar Isaac is called Santiago Santiago Pope Garcia and Ben Affleck is called Tom Redfly Davis. <laughs> Charlie Hunnam is William Ironhead Miller. I like the fact that Garrett I mean, Hedlund is just Ben Miller. <laughs> <laughs> and like Pedro Pascal is Francesco Cap Francesco Catfish Morales but Garrett Hedlund is just Ben Miller. <laughs> <laughs> he, t- he
0: didn't turn up to that meeting. He, get he didn't get a middle name.
2: No, he didn't get <laughs> a middle pink, name. He didn't like it. So basically the film starts off like um Oscar Isaac is his character called Santiago Pope Garcia. He's a private military contractor. I think when you're watching it, he's a PMC, a private yeah. military contractor. He's tracking down this uh, criminal, this kind of Colombian drug lord called Loreo, Lorea, Lorea. He's tracking down this Colombian drug called drug lord called Lorea. They track him down to this kind of weird o- discotheque in this Colombian town. There's this huge kind of kick-ass like, opening action sequence. Um... And then you realise that one of the women in this in this opening action sequence is one of his informants. And she basically says to um, Oscar Isaac's character, listen, Larea's got this place tucked away, this house, which is basically like a, a living safe, like a huge safe where he keeps 75 million US dollars of the dr- drug money that he's made. And... Um, I think I can get you in there. I think I can give you the information you need. And Oscar Isaac then kind of approaches his old PMC, Private Military Contractor Crew, which is made up of Ben Affleck, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund and Pedro Pascal. And he puts down this option to, let's go down there and let's raid this guy's jungle um, home, steal the 75 million worth of drug money that's hidden out there because us guys have worked a whole life as private military contractors. We've done things for our country that have not been returned in favor. Your kind of Ben Affleck's character is this kind of broken guy that's trying to, he's working in, he's a realtor and trying to sell houses. Garrett a uh, Charlie Hunnam's character is kind of doing motivational speeches around the country they're kind of penit- they haven't got much money they're struggling to survive but they used to be this very slick hardcore crew of private military contractors and he basically gets them back together and they go on an old school classic heist movie to steal the 75 million dollars and it all goes completely tits up <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's a spoiler yeah, yeah, that's that's good that's that's, yeah. Yeah.
3: Helen what were your thoughts on, uh, on what were your thoughts before watching the film what were your thoughts uh, so my, my thoughts
1: before watching it Way before watching it Oscar was Isaac. when I got the well when I got the prospective text of we're looking at the other side of the wind and Black Hawk Down I was a bit like oh not seeing Black Hawk Down in a while quite excited for that it's a good film right <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: cheers uh, Matt
3: thanks for that and and, uh,
1: <laughs> and and then so yeah and then I got the text of Triple Frontier I was like oh what's that don't know what that is and then looked it up and went ah the oscar isaacs film so you you have obviously films um with people in that you will watch regardless um of you know what the film is like if it's got that particular person in and oscar isaacs is one of those people for me i enjoy seeing what projects he's he's up to um not really heard that much about it um I mean, I wish she'd probably pick black Hawk downs. <laughs> uh, so do I. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, uh, <laughs> when you were talking about so Ben Affleck, I mean, we'll probably talk a little bit more about him. Um, I mean, his effort in this film is about the amount of effort that he puts into selling houses in his, <laughs> you know, his day job.
2: Someone made um, a really funny remark that he looks a kind of he's he looks about as haunting and as days as in the, on the. Um, when he was on the press tour for Batman vs Superman, and someone oh, started reading up, like. out his reviews, and he, you know, have you seen that that <laughs> clip where he's like, yeah. "Hello, darkness, my old friend," <laughs> he got a sort of like haunted stare at oh, it. But um...
1: yeah, I, the, so from I got from this is their motive for the money is that they think they would owed it or they deserved it. So you kind of have to get behind this group who've been put together by the motive that. They should steal someone else's money. who's it? Got it by ill gains in the first place. But in the so trailer, they
2: sort of say you took five bullets for your country, and yet you're driving around in a old pickup truck. Yeah. And it kind of is meant to sort of go, oh, "Well, yeah, wow." This that sort of summarizes the reasons why they should go after this heist. And
1: and then there's a bit of like getting the gang back together, but without any kind of fun. And then they <laughs> just, and then they steal the money.
3: Yeah, we didn't even see the MMA fight, did we? I yeah.
0: No, you're
2: right.
3: You that. That, that was a really quite, weird, that was that was quite a weird cut point,
2: wasn't yeah, it? All yeah. was like, oh, right, we're gonna see and he just goes whack and then it just cuts and then driving like on that
0: bridge. Uh, that also had those scissors in there. <laughs> oh, I'm not doing that one. Sorry. <laughs> uh
1: so yeah, they steal the money and as you expect, things don't go to plan because they get too greedy. Um, and then then they there's oh there's some brilliant helicopter action. Um okay. <laughs> Oh yeah, great! Yeah. You just have to watch that. Uh, and then there's a really, really sad bit with the donkey <laughs> that dies. Uh,
0: is that your saddest bit? It's got a lot of other stuff in it. Yeah, <laughs> no, but
1: the donkey. The donkey was there. It didn't need to die. Well, Oscar is it? I think it was CGI it.
0: donkey. I don't need yeah. it for him. I think oh, that's the bit where Oscar is. It gets the most cut up. A lot of other things happen yeah. to him, but he yeah. gets really donkey. distressed, unnaturally distressed about that the That bit was quite good, actually, wasn't it? Because he kind of like, yeah, so many people have been killed and he goes, oh man, the donkey! <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you about the donkey?
1: <laughs> uh. Yeah, a few more people will die unnecessarily. And then, um, spoilers, then one of the main characters died.
3: The donkey. Uh, I think we can, t- I mean, we're going to talk about what happens. Uh, it's, it's-
1: I mean... You could guess which one, but at well, this, this point, I, I was, I was ready.
3: You? This this is part of the ready game, for Matt.
1: One of them to die. I was like, one of them. Yeah. needs to die now.
3: This is part of the game when they're getting the together. I was like, okay, which one of you is going to yeah. die? and I predicted it was Ben Affleck because he had. Well, you saw someone who wasn't outside. Someone yeah. was outside the circus. You saw his child, and you heard a bit of his family backstory. So I was like, well. They have more to lose,
1: yeah. It's got that X
3: Factor backstory, yeah, exactly. Nice, <laughs> except in <laughs> X Factor, they don't die if they have
1: <laughs> But actually, They've
3: having said home.
0: that, the, yeah, the ratings are down, so maybe that's something they could introduce in the next show. <laughs>
3: um, what's your thought there, uh, Matt and Triple Frontier?
0: Well, I, I, t- it's, so it's not the kind of film that I would necessarily seek out always, like, it, it's very much like you know, like, it's a men on a mission, it's the kind of expendables thing. It, I, 50% of it, I really liked, 50% of it I thought wasn't very good. And I, I, so it's got an amazing cast. It could have been like The Treasure of Sierra Madre. It has that vibe about it. Mm. It's a director who I love. JC Chandor. Yeah, he's a fantastic director. So I, I, and I, and this has felt like a bit of an unusual choice. I was like, oh, right, he's going to really spin it. It's got, it's beautifully shot often. And I think the heist scene, it's not, you know, heist scenes are always tense. This is super fucking tense. I was, I was like, oh. and, um, it's got some great stuff in it. It's got, but I, but then it also has a lot of the super cheesy thing where I'm always like, do people really speak like this? Maybe they do. <laughs> or maybe they do now that they've seen all those films. But I was like, when military types get together, do they always speak about speak, speak in that weird way that people do in films? I was like, I, that doesn't sound right to me. And the whole thing, I took a bullet for my country. And like, you know, Yeah, it's hard to sympathize with them. I mean, it's
3: like Ben Affleck expositing before going in there. It's like, if there's any women or children, we're not going in there. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Is that the kind of thing you're you're talking about?
0: Yeah, it's not my vibe at all. I don't imagine, I'd imagine that a lot of people just wouldn't say that. So they might think it, but they wouldn't necessarily. I I was kind of hoping they would pull... I was thinking, if you did a kind of a non-cheesy Expendables, that could be really exciting. So I thought that's what it was going to be. And it was at times, and at times it wasn't. But I think... I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, though. I, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would from the beginning. From the, from the beginning, I was like, oh, this is going to be a bit creaky. And then I, I, I kind of got into
3: it. I kind of like the idea of a non-cheesy Expendables because I think it just doesn't really work for me, the Expendables. Um, and I love films recently, like The Raid, where it's just like stripped back and let like, just make this film like it would be in real yeah, life. And that's what and I that's... was
2: thinking Triple Frontier was going to be. Did you? Because I, I was... Yeah, I did. Well, I, g- think, g- I think g- it g- is. Given gonna... all of
1: the talent invo- involved, so you've got Kathleen Bigelow is a yeah. producer on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, What's his name? Mark, Mark oh, yeah JC uh, Give And then, you know, the cast as well. Everything <sighs> is pointing for it to have come out a bit better than it did. I mean, well, this, even with the setting, because they've kind of taken it out of maybe, you know, a more traditional setting they could have gone and, yeah. you know, transported it to... Um, well,
3: they've they're kind of taken, like, Narcos idea, in Pedro Pascal, yeah. brought him in. And um, I... But where are
0: the Narcos, though? That's the thing. It's well, like, it was, in all those... But I wanted to, you know, I thought it was going to be a bit like, was it called The counsellor that Ridley Scott film? Which I, it's not, I don't particularly like as a film. Everything about it, all the ingredients, should have made it the best film of all time. But that finishes with the bleakest, bleakest, bleakest ending of all time. You're like, if you mess with the cartels, it's over for you. And that's that the how this should have the engine where he puts the thing around. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah and it's, it's like, and then him, everyone yeah. knows and his girlfriend's died and then he gets sent the snuff film and he knows he's next. It's like, whoa. That's, yes. Well, I thought that was going to happen with this. It's like, well, they're clearly one by one, they're all going to die because that's what they deserve. Sure, But they
3: don't. It didn't, yeah. They're like, oh, all right. Okay. The, my main problem with this film is that it just didn't have, I didn't get what the, the kind of point was because at first you think Oscar Isaac wants to get Lorea and he makes the point of like finding him, even though they've got all the money. He's like, No, I need to do one more sweep and they get him. I was like, Okay, that's going to be fine. And Ben Affleck was the most reluctant and he's like, I don't really want to do this. But then he finds all this money and he's like, I need more than we ever even thought we were going to get. And then he's, and then that compromises everything. And then
1: the other three are just like there because they need someone to do that particular thing.
3: Yeah. And it's just because I just, it just found like a a whole kind of struggle to watch it from like, Why are we doing this? I really love the setup and I like the way. I think for me, the I enjoyed the first half more than I enjoyed the second half. And I know people, other people... It's definitely to filming enjoy. two halves, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah the and I, it. other people prefer the second half to the first half. So it'd be interesting to, you said 50-50, was it like half and half? Was it just it like the idea versus what? Yeah,
0: transpired? it was more the idea. But I would say, yeah, I think up until the point where they leave the heist, that was the, the peak for me. And right. then after that, the, they just make a series of like blatantly stupid, stupid errors, errors yeah. where you're just like, oh, come on. And then when when it all goes wrong and they start blaming each other, they are like a bunch of fifth graders. <laughs> like, oh, well, you said this, but you said. I was like, oh, come. And now, surely they would just be efficient and ruthless, move on. Yeah. They, can, they can bitch about it 10 years later. But at that point, it's like, really, you're going to start quarrelling, almost killing each other with a donkey? I mean, unless you really... It's not like that's been kind of shadowed earlier. So, yeah. He loves donkeys. <laughs> that just happened in the moment. And it's never commented on again.
2: But I think... um again this goes back to Netflix and the importance of of, you know Netflix and bringing out these projects could you know do you know like the development history of this movie so I was kind of looking into it and I've heard I'd heard of Triple Frontier so originally it was meant to be directed by Catherine Bigelow so she was going to make it her film I think either after Hurt Locker or Zero Dark Thirty Right. so it's going to be her next film Mark was had written it and I was chatting to my agent earlier on uh, who knows a lot who has, gets to hold of all of these sorts of scripts and reads them and he said he'd read the original version by Mark Bowl before JC Chandler. They didn't write it together. Right. JC Chandler came on afterwards but after many years of it d- dwelling in in development hell and not happening and came on and completely kind of rewrote the screenplay himself. Apparently the Mark Bowl version was much more like in the kind of d- the way the, the Hurt Dark, Locker yeah. and Zero yeah, Dark yeah. like, Thirty was much more true to life really because he's a journalist he's an ex-journalist and the way that he heavily researched like um the zero dark 30 screenplay yeah, yeah. he did the same on this triple frontier is like a real region of, of south america oh is that what
3: it is yeah I, so it's I like no i think i
2: think the triple frontier means he's three points where Colombia, the borders of these three countries and it's almost like a mm-hmm. no man's land like a it's like the wild west basically sure. and i think he'd obviously read some newspaper report or something about this triple the triple frontier this this no man's land where all bets are off. It's like the Wild West. And I imagine that original screenplay. Mm. And because I was looking at sort of, I was thinking about my favourite heist films like Rafifi, yeah, Which is one of my favourite films. Heat, The
3: Sting, Three Kings. I was thinking about Three yeah. Kings as well. This film we're, really reflects... We Yeah, we, we reviewed their uh, Three Kings, and here it was. It's, yeah, and there so was, was elements of that so where again. this
2: film could have been Three Kings, but, mm. you know, and the usual suspects, Italian Job, Ronin, yeah. Yeah. Ocean's Eleven. And I was kind of looking at that, and I was looking at all the heist movies and what makes heist movies great. And it's like the planning stage, the execution stage, the escape and they've all got those similar beats of the complications they have to go through, putting the team together, a reason beyond the cash of why they're doing it. Yeah, which yeah. kind of they put down to this film that we're kind of sticking it to the man. You know, we, we our bodies are riddled with bullets and scars on what we've given to this country and we like, we deserve this money. But it's sort of, weirdly when you're watching it, it's all there. It's kind of got all the yeah. elements. So I imagine the original script by Mark Bowl may have had all those elements. So I think all that stuff is kind of roughly in there mm. yeah. for it to be a great heist movie. But for some reason, when you're watching it, it just doesn't quite deliver it. It's just no. like it never seems to hit the, the the right beats or scale the heights it needs to. I felt like the heist, when they get into Larea's, um Jungle Compound, was almost like too easy. <laughs> like there was no drawn out kind of tension or set right. piece. You know? I find it
0: tense, but it's it not
2: was as tense. tense as other films. It's not tense. It was tense, but it felt like... Um, they were too slick. They kind of just took everyone down really easily and then they were out of there and I was like, oh, is that it? They've kind of got away
3: with the money. Because when that finished, I paused it and it's like forty-five minutes in, so it's like still an hour and a half. Yeah, ages left. This and I was like,
1: film. "What's gonna happen?"
3: What? And that's why I was kind of hoping with it's gonna it's gonna be like almost a Susan Carmen curse, like everyone who got yeah was involved in it was gonna be hunted down, but that didn't happen. Either. Well, give
0: me, yeah, because they they said, "Oh, well, actually, look, it's not as you thought. It was just one boss. It's all the cartel they've got. They have burnt this house full of yeah, all the, yeah. So it's like they're gonna have helicopters after them. Yeah. They're gonna have everything, and then they send over a couple of teenagers. that like, really? That just doesn't didn't. And, and especially after they'd had all the setbacks due to their and." moronicness and yeah. they ended up still still managing to you know still being chased by three people I thought there's going to be something would happen just after they've crashed they think it's one guy with a gun and then suddenly three helicopters come over the top oh, so- I assumed it was going to end like Butch Cassidy they were going to come out <laughs> and that was it, it yeah. Yeah, but-, but
2: actually from from the consequence of doing the heist and stealing Larea's money there were no consequences no. from that. None of those people who ever caught up with them. It was the, the son of one of the guys that would shot in that field when they crash-landed that was the guy that followed Van Affleck and yeah. killed ended, him specifically. Specifically killed him. Yeah. So that was just a, a, a um, an outcome of a, something that happens midway through yeah. the film, like a kind of almost sub-story. And then I didn't, I could I couldn't quite figure out who those people were on the beach, chased them at the end. Yeah. You know, the people in that. they were like a bunch of teenagers, and there was like teenagers with machine guns like who is that this is just how lawless it is everyone's got machine guns and you just get chased if you're in drug territory it
0: was weird it was really weird well they said uh, one of the guys said oh they've recruited but you know when he comes back uh, Garrett Hedlund says oh apparently there's like a local town and they've recruited a bunch of local kids or something but it's like if this is these are the top cartels in the entire world these guys like own countries like they're their an, annual GDP yeah. is this, like, the, the same as Europe. And so the idea that they would then send three guys with a rifle feels a bit weird. Unless they just thought, do you know what?
3: It's only money. <laughs> I mean, this money, it's, it goes back to the money. And they were, at the end, they are quite happy with, oh, we've got a million pounds each. Yeah. We've got a million dollars each. Yeah, they still each.
1: got and, quite a lot of money, yeah. even though one of them died and, and th- it was... Then they gave it long. all away.
3: Yeah. I think one looks for a film like this, is like if they could have... If they just made a sensible choice earlier on, none of this bullshit would have happened. Yeah. Well,
1: if they hadn't had all that money, then the helicopter wouldn't have crashed, wouldn't have and crashed. they would have made it in time, and then yeah. the film would have been over a lot shorter than its two hours. <laughs> so, <you laughs> <Yeah. know. laughs>
2: and, what I was thinking is a film uh, from a filmmaking perspective is like I was thinking, okay, you know, me and your writers, we worked together on stuff, and I was thinking, how would I have made that? I was going to work? ask you. I was, yeah. Asking yeah. You- yeah. Well, I was trying to figure out the, how
1: the, the recut, the well, directors cut Well, you I was give thinking
2: it? that. When it starts off and they're sort of setting up all these different characters like Garrett Headland and Ben Affleck, yeah. it was like they showed you a few moments of Ben Affleck. He's like he's struggling as a realtor. He opens the fridge and I think there's a few sort of red letter bills are yeah. stuck on the fridge. You go, wow, this guy's under. He's got a few bills that he needs to pay. And that almost in the entire motivation for why he suddenly changed his opinion about the money. Yeah. I was like, you see, he's got a few bills. He's struggling to sort of sell the, the real estate property. Yeah. And then suddenly when he's on the middle of that heist, this is a man of principle who didn't want to do the heist. He doesn't want to go back and return to that life. And suddenly he becomes just full of greed. Yeah. And he's like, no, we need to get more bags. We need to get more bags on the truck. And Garrett Helen says, you've never not made a hard out, man. He's <laughs> like, what's happened to you? Why have you changed? And yeah. I was like, wait a minute. In the last scene, he hadn't changed. He, suddenly, yeah. he literally he made a complete they didn't turn around in his character in one scene which I found really odd it's like yeah. you wanted, it felt like if you'd have fed that into the beginning that he was gambling yeah. that he had really bad gambling problems yeah. that he was about on the precipice of losing his house with his daughter that life had gotten too much that he was making the wrong choices and wrong decisions and maybe he was even considering robbing a bank in order. I don't know and then you realise that when he gets into that situation oh this is a man on the edge that he, need, he will do anything to get that money or to improve or, his
1: or the other way could have been that because he was kind of the one against it but it took everyone else to kind of convince him and he was always reluctant in the end and he was just like I'm only going to do it for you guys man yeah. yeah, and then he was gets get off, yeah. Off then,
0: but Oh, maybe like, they could oh. have, they could have solved it with just a close up of the red letter bill just saying seventy billion. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> <What laughs> as <actually, laughs> it yeah, yeah. stands, in my head, I was like, maybe he he needs two hundred fifty thousand dollars and he'll be clear all his debts. And yeah. He'll be fine. So there's yeah, no, yeah. no there's no need for the super greed. If, <laughs> no. But also, through, I think there was I was looking forward to and more. Then they burn the
1: rest of it as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, I was looking forward to more of the kind of the frictions within the team and mm. them slowly imploding and then the tension of maybe they get hauled up in a cave or on a mountain and. They know the guys are coming in, and they blame each other. One shoots the other, but they basically the only the only disagreement they have in the whole thing is about the donkey. And then after five seconds later, he goes, "Do you know what? I'm a, being a dick." And he goes, "Yeah, I know." Yeah. I was being a dick about the donkey. Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. not worry about
3: <laughs> it. Right. Let's burn donkey. all this money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's throw in a hole.
0: That was yeah, a yeah. shame, but it had, like you said, it had so many good ingredients. And mm. I think, I mean, that cast Oscar Isaac has never been bad in anything.
3: I have, think he's. Have you seen the most violent year The previous yeah. Jason? I'm yeah, yeah. A, yeah. really a big fan of that uh, underseen. To see in the scene film, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah and it's got that really kind of uneasy sort of tension, even though nothing major kind of happens, yeah. and it just sustains it through the whole film. And yeah. you're just kind of with him at every moment in it.
3: I'd like to see what Mark Bowl's scripts would have been like. I yeah, that, definitely. I think I'd love to find. Yeah, the original yeah.
0: script. What that would have been like. Also, who knows what pressures in between? Like, say, I mean, we've we've talked about this earlier, but I mean. You know, to get something like this made, it might be that it go along the way. It went through development hell, yeah. And there's was like, look, you get this made by making it more like the Expendables and less like Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. You know, I bet, who who knows. So it might there would been other pressures in terms of who you cast in it, or you've got to get have them get away. Maybe maybe none of them made it out of the original version, and maybe they all had to make it out of this one.
2: Yeah, look, it's easy to kind of not filmmakers but you know the last film i made collide which was like an action film that was produced by joel silver who like made D- like lethal weapon and die hard and matrix and matrix yeah mm-hmm. and um predator, <laughs> predator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. so um, many you know i was in a process there where four weeks or five weeks before we shot the film i got the film was like one long non was one long action sequence with non-linear flashbacks to Nicholas Holt and Felicity Jones' relationship, a bit like the first Deadpool. And we'd spent quite a few years crafting the screenplay to get it right. Four weeks before we shot the film or five weeks before we shot the film, we we're in pre-production. I get a phone call from Joel Silver, who I don't know what was going on in his life at that time or what he was going through in whatever last movie he'd made. Yep. He just wants to and goes, listen, kid, I paid $10 billion at the box office. You made about 10 pence. He's like, I don't fucking make movies with flashbacks. He's like, we got to get rid of the flashbacks. So I was like, yeah, but that's the main sort of spinal thread of the movie, the flashbacks is like it's one action sequence with this non-linear cool kind of transitions to flashbacks of throughout their relationship got to get rid of the fucking flashbacks, put all the flashbacks linear, put them up at the front of the movie. And I found myself literally just rewriting the film with mm. put, trying to put all the flashbacks in a linear fashion at the front of the film, changed the whole movie within four or five weeks. And it just fucked the whole film up. It literally wasn't the film that I'd intended to make over a period of two. So you never know what happens in yeah. this. Filmmaking is such a crazy
0: alchemy and you don't know the what happened on set, like what... Changes were made, but I'd say also it's a fucking great film. So we didn't. <laughs> but, you know, I know that it's not the same film that you had in your head, but it's interesting the the difference in perception of someone who because I didn't know any of that when I watched it. Yeah, and so I loved it, and then and then you told me all that. I was like, oh fucking hell! I mean, not to say that the film you had in your head wasn't better, probably, but it doesn't. It's not noticeable. to That's... most people, I'd be interested to see what other people make of this if they were watching it hoping it would be The Expendables, for example. Well,
3: I mean, this is why it's really cool to have you guys here we have actually been on the kind of cold face of like, this is my vision. Oh, this is not my vision because of external forces, but they still want me to make the film. And I'm like, well, I need to make it because otherwise someone else will make it completely ah, yeah, up.
2: Yeah, and I imagine someone like Mark Bowles is, is an amazing writer and JC Chandler is an amazing director. Mm. And you never know the struggles that went on between those two because I thought they were still on board as producers, weren't they? Executive producers, Catherine Biglow and Mark Boll. And... Um, you know you never know like there's probably one struggle to take the movie this way there's another struggle to make the movie more um uh, mainstream and universal. Uh, I felt like that—that that was where the film kind of struggled. It was—it tr- was—it was relentlessly grim in a way. Mm. And I don't know if all heist movies should be relentlessly grim. I think there's something about looking back at all those like my favourite heist movies, like The Three, Three Kings, Kings is and like The Italian Job, or Ron- even Ronin has high points where they kind of make it out and there's you know where it, it Reservoir felt- Dogs, Reservoir Dogs, Very yeah, funny. The Sting, you know, Ocean's Eleven, like all those sort of heist movies. There's there's moments of levity there's moments where they make out there's moments where you love the camaraderie of the people that are committing the heist but it, it didn't seem to have that it was quite relentlessly a, a, a tough slog on all of them and they kind of went you know there was the way you know the, the initial heist sort of started to go wrong and started to fall apart and they started to have to kill people and then from then on it just felt like boom 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 or yeah. like one sort of negative note after the next yeah. sort of like and then the donkey died. oh my god the
0: donkey still <laughs> <So confident> believe they <laughs> yeah, did that yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, but I will say this: I think it's still a level of prestige filmmaking in there. Yeah. yeah. I think some of the filmmaking was, like some of the performances, the cinematography was amazing. That I think incredible. some of the action sequences and the bit and the, the t- uh, were, were very tense and well pieced together. Um, I would have loved to have seen what Tony Scott would have made of that. we've been the sort of project that you know my hero Tony Scott back in the day. <laughs> he would have made mincemeat of that and made it absolutely amazing. That screenplay.
3: Well, I we could, we could still keep on talking, but let's head to the scores as, we, as yeah. we're going through. Ran, you brought the film to us, (laughs) out of five, how... (laughs) <laughs> How highly would you recommend it? I'll give it a three out of five because I've had quite
2: a few mates phone me up and say, Oh, mate, have you seen Triple Frontier? Who are, who are kind of don't work in the film industry, yeah. just love those sort of action films, and have sent me text messages, Oh, mate, you've got to watch Triple Frontier. It's wicked. So, you know what I mean? There's like, there is that kind of pretentiousness of coming from the film industry, and we sort of hang around with people that are kind of, you know, like watch movies all day. But just the average Joe on the street, I know that like, a few of my friends have really enjoyed it and recommended it to me to watch. So for me personally, I'll give it like a three out of five.
0: Uh, Matt well I think yeah, the usual question of like, recommend to who because I certainly wouldn't recommend it to like, my mum who would <laughs> roll her eyes at me and say well why'd you make me watch that but on the other hand I mean yeah to most of the people that I know I would recommend I'd give it a, I think I'd give it a three because I think most people would enjoy it it's got a lot to enjoy about it uh, Helen
1: I, I would also give it a three it's kind of got that three sort of vibe um, I mean it is a bit it's a bit flabby uh, it could be a bit shorter but you know it's there will be a lot of people who will watch this and they'll be like, oh, it's best film of the year.
3: Yeah, yeah, oh, sure. Apart from donkey like lovers. Ages.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apart from donkeys
3: and... I'm going to give it a bit higher than you guys. Um, I'm going to go for three and a half here.
1: Nice. Not
3: I've, that much higher though. 3.01. A bit, a bit, <laughs> 3. higher. <laughs> a bit a touch higher. Um, I, the, I mean, everything there is on paper. JC Chandor, Catherine Bowl, all the actors. I love Pedro Pascal. I don't think he's known enough. You know, Garrett hedland and... Charlie Hunter's probably my least favorite ca- uh, actor on that on a roster, and he's not by any means a bad actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so even if someone said oh, it's not that good, I think I still think I'd like. I would still watch it. Still Mate,
2: watch it's it. a great Saturday afternoon. watch yeah, if exactly. you're just sitting around and you kind of want to flick something on that's yeah. an easy watch and it's got a good bit of action, it's got some great actors, it's got a great director, it looks beautiful. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like it's, it's one of those movies that you could happily watch on a Sunday afternoon, kicking back after you've had your dinner and chilling yeah. out. I think <laughs>
3: it'd be, I think it'd be super simple to recommend if someone said should I watch it? I'd be like, yeah, have yeah. a watch. Maybe a bit long. Don't take it too seriously. Yeah, fill your boots, get some beers in. Yeah. One thing I did mention actually was that in that development process
2: when it was meant to be Catherine Bigelow that was directing it it was going to be I think Will Smith was going to be in the um Ben Affleck role, Tom Hanks was the Oscar Isaac's role. Wow! So it was was Tom Hanks and Will, um, Tom Hanks and Will Smith for the original cast. It had an amazing cast, original incarnation. When it was going to be, it was kind of greenlit. It was going into production. You know when you know how things films pick up steam. I think she was coming off the back end of Oscar nominations, Catherine Bigelow, and whatever she wanted to do next. And Mark Wahl had written this script, *Triple Frontier*. So there was a point when it was. yeah, Will Smith and Tom Hanks were in the movie and it was going to be like a big prestige cinema release and then it went, I don't know what happened with the movie but it sort of kind of went into the development hell for the next seven years or so. And then finally, and you know, it was one of those scripts that was out there that was always heralded as being an amazing screenplay and Mm. something that should get made. And again, it was one of those things where I think someone like Netflix gives that an opportunity to movies like that, that, you know, to kind of, like we were talking about the the Irishman and yeah. Martin Scorsese, and you know, maybe we never would have seen this film get get made if it yeah. had been just left to the studios. Because you know, once things are going to turn around, they don't get made. There's I
0: would one... love to have seen Tom Hanks emote over a donkey, though. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, seems yeah. like a missed opportunity.
1: I don't know. He would have been far too old to.
0: Yeah, do it feels the unlikely.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, NFL didn't actually do that much physical stuff, did he? Until he had to.
0: No, but this is Oscar Isaac. I can't imagine him even um, with a shot knee is running up a. Oh, a that's hill. true. actually. I'd yeah, run... yeah in Mexico. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, the cast wasn't, you know, it was, the cast was great. Mm. I think the cast... I don't know
1: given a ben, ben Affleck, though. I mean, he really, he wasn't there for this one. <laughs> I think that
0: was him being more moody, though. I don't think, I think he was just being naturalistic, I think. I I like Ben Affleck,
3: normally. I
1: like him sometimes.
3: Mm. Well, um, when you when you said about when you saw the lineup for the film and you thought, well, this is going to be a, a real deal, kind of um, yeah. non-cheesy thing, but I actually thought, with Ben Affleck in there, I don't think you could have that... Um, that way if it was Christian Bale in there for example or I think you need a film with lesser well-known actors uh, fronting it to be right. able to pull off the kind of film where you, I would think this would, this would be like you can't have the raid. I know they're trying to remake the raid but if they did the raid with Will Smith and, and whoever knows be, it just wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't be that kind of film you need someone who just has the I don't know the gravitas outside of being, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a film star before they can go into it. I think you know, the film that I realized that I wish this had been like was Sicario and Sicario yeah. 2. Well, is, yeah,
2: I was kind of hoping it would have that atmosphere of Sicario, uh, Sicario 2, but and, maybe uh, a bit more beefier with the action. Yeah, but, yeah, with kind of sort of like more heavier, kind of more Hollywood esque action. Yeah. But that kind of tone and feel yeah. and atmosphere. And it felt like it was on the the brink of it sometimes mm. like when they had those huge great shots sweeping in and they're kind of heading into the jungle in their car yeah. and it was like i was going yeah this is this is going to be amazing but it kind of never seemed to reach those heights
0: and no I think- but they, need, they needed to die basically didn't they or they said, <laughs> yeah. or said like, and by the end they should yeah. definitely be in the thing where they think they've got away with it think they've got away with it and then the cartel we know the cartel are coming in and yeah. they know they've only got seconds left i think just to hop off on a speedboat at the end yeah looking
1: a bit sad Isaac goes off on a jolly to australia with his girlfriend he's yeah. now
0: a billionaire. With the coordinates
2: for the money that they've got in yeah. that <laughs> um, in that in the mountains, which you know he's going to probably go back
3: and get. And, yeah,
0: and no so one liked was, Ben Affleck, anyways. It wasn't. It was a bit quadruple miserable. Quadruple Frontier.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <The> next <one. laughs> uh, Repeat viewing score, guys. Uh, Iran out of five. Uh,
2: repeat viewing. Uh, you know what? Like, I don't know. I think yeah, three out of five again. I think if it was like on on a, on a TV on a Saturday afternoon, it was like one of those ones you could easily just stick on yeah. and have it on in the background and watch and bit bit fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think. I don't know. There's a lot of films in the world. And I haven't seen many of them. <laughs> There's a lot of things to do. So I'm not sure I would necessarily watch it again deliberately. But if it was on, I'd probably, yeah, I'd maybe give it a two. Is that harsh? No,
3: it's yeah. what you feel, isn't it? It's not... I feel bad. That's oh, no, fine. I feel terrible. I'm... Ben's Don't not going to speak to me do F-
0: next film, right? <laughs> like
1: Ben. It's over two hours long. There's no way that this film needs to be that long. And as we've discussed many times, that there are a lot of films... Left in the world to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, never say never. One and
3: a half. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for a two. I think, um, for the same reason, if, you know, my wife, I didn't watch my wife. Uh, if she had it on in the background, I'd, it wouldn't be one of the things I'd run out the, out the lounge <laughs> thinking, why are you watching that? For fuck's sake. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, yeah, I think two, what did I say? Two and a half? Two. I didn't say anything. Two. You say two, two. Yeah, you I can't remember two. what I was going to, I even said myself. Um, it's not that bad, and but now we don't we don't watch TV in the same way, and we don't have film four just on and flick through D. So you no. have to actually physically yeah. choose Triple Frontier, which is That's a bit the of, thing. There's yeah. so
0: much, there's so much great stuff on Netflix. I was it was funny as we were talking about what to choose. I definitely had that thing like, oh my god, I've got my the the only thing is that my list. Thing. mine now is basically most of Netflix sure so I so actually probably be quicker just to look on Netflix rather than look at my list because it's about 7,000 films long
2: I tell you what I'm loving about Netflix at the moment and this is kind of going. This, there's, a, there's, a, there's something that's happening The kind of this disparity between what the critics say and what the audience score says yeah. Yeah. which I'm really enjoying about Netflix remember like when we were kids and films that I love like The Last Boy Scout mm. or Man on Fire which I was just convinced that everyone loved I was like how can Man on Fire not be conceived as one of the greatest films ever made <laughs> And then I look at Rotten Tomatoes and it's got like a 33% score on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes man on fire. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And like The Last Boy Scout and all this kind of Tony Scott That's movies. That's a great film. And, for, and a great example of that is that Polar, that, you know, is it Polar? That Polar that's just come out on Netflix with um, Mads Mikkelsen, the Assassin movie. Yes, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Polar, yeah. And um, I don't know how you say it, it's P-O-L-A-R is at Polar or Polar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um it's like an Assassin movie, and the critics absolutely destroyed it, and it's kind of got like 9% on Rotten Tomatoes or sure. something. But the audience score's up in the 80s. Um, and I've so many people have texted me, you know, friends who are into action movies and say, mate, you've got to watch Polar, it's absolutely wicked, I loved it. And it kind of reminds me of that thing that films get a chance on this, Whereas you know, like Bright, was abs- Bright by Will Smith, was mm-hmm. absolutely, like, eviscerated by critics. And I didn't watch it because of it. And I watched it recently. <laughs> I was ill in bed, had the flu, and I absolutely loved it. I was <laughs> like, like oh, <laughs> damn, this is the best ill movie I've ever watched in my life. But it really, I think the streaming services and that disparity between what the critics are saying and what audiences want is a good thing that it gives chances, films a chance to live yeah. and breathe. Mm-hmm. And whether, you know, and I think that, Triple Frontier is kind of one of those movies. Like, look, not everyone's going to love it, but I think there's a there's an audience out there just going to flick on this and just love it and watch it, and there'll be a, it'll be a kid's favourite film when they grow up. Yeah. Pre aesthetic, post aesthetic. When he gets older, he'll be like, oh,
0: that was really crap. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, it's not the expendables, but I, I think you have that thing when yeah, I just there's what I love is also the kind of the shelf life that you know we kind of starting out in indie British indie filmmaking you still have the same rules apply whether you're transformers or whether you're a tiny little film and you have the weekend to survive and um uh cara morley's new film has come out and she's Absolutely. been yeah she's been tweeting to everyone She's going like, please go and sit please go and sit because for whatever reason because of the like the mentalness of the of economics of, of the the logic is that okay well it's got to, it's got to get out there even though it's only playing on a tiny fraction of the numbers and it's never going to po- it can't possibly compete with a really big film can't be avengers because it, it was never intended to be but I think things like Netflix or streaming services enabled you to find it and, and in the way that, I think in the old days, a taxi driver would have played in New York and LA for two months. Yeah. Gets the buzz, then they, they start branching out, oh, it's doing quite well here, oh, it's good, you know, and they work it out. That doesn't happen anymore, but it does on
3: streaming. Uh, small screen score, guys. You're on.
0: Uh, it's a tough one because
2: it's got some quite amazing, epic, um, wide screen shots where, and I noticed that the way he filmed it, not... And I wondered sometimes if this was the detriment to how the film was made. It was that what I used to love about Tony Scott and how he'd make films—he would get stuff on a long lens and really get in on the on the, on the sort of kind of perspiration and sweat and make things feel quite sort of. Um, uh, what's the word claustrophobic and constraint and there was constraint in the way the, fr- the framing was everything was quite wide and open in this film it was like lots of wide shots and lots of kind of mediums and I felt like it, for example you know in the helicopter crash and the helicopter was going down and this is something that I think JC Chandor is obviously a prestige director and like he makes amazing films but he is somebody who very much sort of tells the story as it is and he lets the camera sit there and I did feel like in some of those moments on the, um, air- the, the helicopter crash that you really wanted to be in there and Feel the, the, the visceralness of the camera shaking and kind of, do you know what I mean? And it didn't feel like, it felt like the sort of kind of kind of tamest helicopter crash that I'd ever seen. It
1: was very crafted. I thought, oh, he landed that one well. Yeah, it all felt
3: quite <laughs> yeah. tame and they were
1: all just like, kind of sitting gonna, there and it all
2: felt quite static. Who's going to die shots.
1: in this? Who's going to end up with a bit of like helicopter stuck in them? <laughs> yeah. and <I'm> like, oh, <laughs> yeah. did no that safely. No one
3: died? Yeah. yeah. Your mum was hanging off the bottom of it. Got <laughs> up.
1: Yep, he's fine. Brushed he's his fine. Hair, fine.
3: Got yeah. up. Yeah, I uh, thought
1: someone's someone's gotta be mangled in this. Yeah, and, uh... there was
3: I, I completely agree with you. And it was I just felt like after that was, there was zero jeopardy. Yeah. The first bit with the helicopter where you thought there's a bit of is going through the Andes. It's like, oh can we make it? Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Throw away, throw away hundred billion. Okay. Okay, we're through now. Okay, fine. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's uh this, oh, this yeah. is what it's gonna be like. So yeah, there's the lack of jeopardy all the way through. Yeah, through and there. I
2: felt like it kind of I think that was a kind of there was a sort of slight contradiction with the, with the way the film that was a contrast in the way the film was made, and the sort of kind of classic widescreen sort of Michael Mann Heat style mm. shots. Whereas I think sometimes it would have kind of benefited from being a bit more up in the in, in, in the in the characters' faces, and yeah. be a bit more handheld and verite, and just like a bit more of a nervous energy to how it was kind of pieced together in very much in Catherine Bigelow's style and what she yeah. does in Hurt Locker and things like Zero Dark Thirty. I actually f- felt that the film would have benefited more from that. So I would have loved to have seen his okay. screenplay of her directing sure. it and seeing what that would have actually come out as because I think that the initial conception of the movie was from their, to both their minds.
0: Yeah. But the pitch is amazing. The idea yeah, is yeah. like you rob the cartel. It's like you don't that's madness and yeah. the idea you go in there and you do it right but then you realise you haven't robbed one cartel whilst you've robbed everyone that's terrifying is, yeah. there's no tension
1: in it there's no yeah, there's element a weird of, sort danger. of yeah there's
0: a weird
2: sort
1: the, of there's bits where there should be tension you're a bit like
0: oh no well on that revelation that they've suddenly realised they robbed the entire cartel or every cartel that's ever existed that should be like oh fuck we made a massive blunder but they just go Oh, We got more money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, like, great. Yeah. Let's load up the helicopter slowly.
3: I'll pay for all the bills. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but,
3: sorry, back to the small screen score. All right. uh, so I can't, it's a weird
2: one in the small screen because it sort of felt like I, I actually was watching it. I was thinking, oh, I, w- I would love to have seen this on a big screen in the cinema. Some of these wide epic mm. shots. So, whereas I think you know other films benefit from being there. I don't know. if I'm sort of kind of in the middle. I think it's like a three. I think you can watch it on your phone, but I think it's like in the middle of a three because I sure. would have liked to have seen it on a big
0: old widescreen. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Cinema. I mean, I saw it on a, a. Uh, TV at home, which is like an all right size, but it was still one of those things where I was, yeah, I wouldn't. I think if I'd be watching it on my phone, I'd be missing fifty percent of it. Sure, uh, I'll mm. go for a three. Ellen,
1: um, I'm also going to go for a three. I mean, it, it's shot to be seen at the cinema. Um, yeah, and it, I mean, it
3: didn't get any cinema release, did it? I, I don't think it, so, no. I don't know. I'm sure Netflix Maybe. would have released it to some chain, but it would have yeah, been a low, super I low key. I
1: seeing a trailer for it. Oh, okay. Right.
3: Yeah, there was could mean. There was a trailer before us, I think, which I, is a bit random. Um, um, but I don't know. But sometimes they're just like with Amanda Knox, I saw the trailer on the screen. On yes, the t- I don't know if it was a trailer for it
1: being on Netflix, on Netflix, but I definitely yeah. did see a trailer for it, which pitched it as a film that you should go and see Yeah, okay. on a big screen and loud.
3: Um, I would have liked to have seen this more on a a big screen so I'm going to go lower than you guys with the two I think it would have been just a better experience as well Uh, I think some of these these films like Zero Dark Thirty was amazing on a big screen even though it was like a bit more up close and personal and like more on Chastain's face but it's Mm. still like yeah a bigger film Um, yeah two and a half engagement score Iran
2: Kind of, it's a tough one because I was quite engaged in the first half of the movie Mm. and I was sort of going along with these characters and I felt quite, yeah, engaged and into the film and then weirdly when it, took that weird sort of turn halfway through and I I felt the tension sort of drain out of the film and I realised that the the Colombian cartel weren't going to be on their back and it was basically the trials and tribulations of trying to carry heavy money through (laughs) a mountainous region. I was like, so is this what the actual antagonist of the film is? Like, a mountainous heavy region? I was like, where's the villains gone?
3: (laughs) The villain is gravity. Oh yeah, we need to do a selfie before.
2: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So I found that really weird that kind of halfway through you think it's going to be like a... Yeah, the, the the antagonist sort of faded away from being the Colombian drug cartel, yeah. and became trying to haul two hundred fifty million dollars through a mountainous region with a donkey.
1: So, are you like donkey did you enjoy the first hour more? I enjoyed the, the first second.
2: hour, I think, more than I did the second hour. So, I'd give like, yeah, again, I'm I'm coming in at a three, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hard three on this. So I'm mean, not being middle ground. It's a like, three type of film. Yeah,
0: that's the thing. It's like I wouldn't I wouldn't rush out into the street screaming at people to recommend it or avoid it. i yeah, I'd probably say three as well. Some of it really I mean the heist you're right, it the heist could have been more gripping, but it was still fucking gripping. It's still terrifying. Yeah, the heist yeah it was mm. good. Yeah, it was. Um just they should have been a bit less good at their jobs, I think. Yeah.
1: And for you, first half or second half?
0: Definitely first half. Definitely first half after after they've the big revelation of the cart they've robbed the entire cartel from the beginning of the dawn of man. That was like, <laughs> oh shit. That it's really gonna get yeah, nasty. Nah, it's gonna be. Is, horrible This film is gonna kick off the Who's like, gonna, gonna die first? <laughs> no and one dies. No one dies. From <laughs> On the donkey? <laughs> and the donkey does.
3: Donkey donkey. But Athletic dies a bit too easily as well. Is
2: that like, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, it remind, have you seen have any of you seen Ocean's Eight? Yes. Have you seen Ocean's Eight, which is another heist movie? Mm. Yeah. And that was one that I sort of felt that, you know, compared to like the original Ocean's Eleven. I really wanted them to get that screenplay right, Ocean's 8. And and it was like, but there was no antagonist in the film. There was no villain. No, like in the first film, you had Andy Garcia and he was kind of like this antagonistic force and he kind of had this fearsome reputation that if you ever get caught, he will kill your family, he'll kill your cat, dog, do you know what I mean? Donkey. Yeah, donkey. (laughs) He'll kill everyone. And it sort of suffered from that. It was weirdly had no antagonist in the film. And I think Ocean's 8 suffered from the same where... It felt
3: all a little bit too easy, and they just
2: sort of breezed through it. It was
3: too easy, and then they had like a secondary heist because they didn't tell anyone about, which was like double the money. Oh, really? In like Ocean's a. it was just like, where's this come from at the end? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, sorry, Helen, uh, engagement score. Uh,
1: so I had to watch this in two sittings, and was it first
3: th- half, second half for yourself? Or did you have I a quite, preference? I think,
1: um, I quite enjoyed the second half more, I think, but I don't know if that's because I didn't watch it all in one go. No. Um. I mean it's, it's it's far too long for what it it should have been um, yeah two and a half
3: for me two and a half I'm gonna go for four here Oh, because I was I, wild card because I thought the setup was great I thought the idea was great and when the when the turn like you said this is all the, all the cartel's money I was like okay this is like buckle in son <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah, like yeah. things happened. I was like oh, this, oh it's gonna happen now oh, it's gonna happen now this is hold on <laughs> Throwing the money away, it's in a hole. Don't worry. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna. Oh, it didn't happen. So you engaged uh, yeah. with
0: it just because you thought I it was gonna be good. even I though thought, it was bad. Exactly. <laughs> I
3: it's wouldn't one, say bad, but I was just like, there's, there's something to this that didn't fulfill. Um, but I, I, you know, I was into it. I was so into it. The,
1: the full two hours were your favourite, or did you? No, I prefer the, the first half. First, okay.
3: in, ret- in retrospect, the first half was the, until Ben Affleck decided to like steal all the money. Yeah. Um, and his and his morals were like kind of changed. Then it became like I'm not. Well, in retrospect, that kind of changed the whole thing for me. Yeah. But up until that point, there's like I really liked the, everything about it. But um, the first time watching Engagement was high, pretty much all the way through because I thought it was going to end up somewhere different, which yeah. it which is kind of testament to the film in a way. I think
2: yeah, it's weird when I, I think when, before I'd see it and I'd read the synopsis, I assumed that the main Colombian drug dealer, Colombian drug dealer, was going to kind of in. He's not really in it. He's only in it for like a couple of scenes and yeah. they kill him. And I was thinking, well, if you're going to build up this, this antagonistic boogeyman. force, this yeah. boogeyman, yeah. like he's going to be on their case for the entire movie, on their tails up until they get onto that boat. And I do wonder if that's where the kind of discrepancy became between the two filmmakers like JC Chandor and Mark Bow, is that, He had a screenplay. He felt it was hitting too many generic beats of a heist movie and he tried to subvert expectation and said, well, I'm not going to give everyone what they wanted, same like Ryan Johnson did with The Last Jedi. I was like, I'm just going to subvert expectation and throw what you expect out the window (laughs) and we're going to kind of go on this deliverance style, you know, like the the movie Deliverance Mm. with um, Burt Reynolds and we're going to go and it's Manigar versus Nature to trying to get out, which was an interesting take and I imagine on the page it may have read quite well because that's... a the difference sometimes is what works on the page doesn't always work once it gets up on the screen. And I think they might have tried something different and tried to subvert expectation, but actually it just kind of drained the film without any suspense. And
0: Well, I wonder if it, would be, it might have been the other way. That's the thing. I mean, you can only speculate, but I think the Mark Bowl, actually probably what happens in there after that point is probably more realistic. Maybe the cartel wouldn't instantly come at you with you yeah. know, a whole military. Maybe it would be a couple of guys on donkeys, but it's just quite hard to know because I think Mark Bowl Tends to live in the real world, and, yeah, and maybe yeah. he would have kind of gone. Well, actually, weirdly, there was a heist like this. I, who knows whether it was inspired so, by anything?
3: Maybe two hundred twenty-five, two hundred fifty million wasn't actually that much to them. To like, I mean, with um, <laughs> well, Pablo Escobar used to have so much money around that it just used to float up in, in streams and rivers. He used to bury it all, and it just get washed away into nice. streams and rivers when when it rained. Uh, so maybe those guys would just had so much money that they thought. Well, let's just sod it because if we chase these guys down, go to America, what's going to happen to us? Yeah. The full force of the American military is going to go back on them. So they probably just thought... No, so you think it out.
0: wasn't It wasn't. he built his house out of money, not because <laughs> he he just run out of bricks and he thought, well, I've got enough money. Well, yeah, so he did not even realise the value of yeah, <laughs> it.
3: So the, the,
1: wait, they killed the, the, the... They killed him then? Yeah. Oh.
2: Yeah, he was the guy that was hiding in the wardrobe. Yeah. And you remember the sort of the wardrobe, yeah, yeah. open that you fired, yeah, him. and they shot that person. That was actually the main big uh, bad. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I was, I was waiting for him to pop up because I thought, why would yeah. they've killed him that easily? No, Charlie exactly. Hunnam. Well, that's the yeah. gets
3: shot quite quickly and and makes it all the way through quite happily. But
1: that sort of gets it. forgotten
3: about, doesn't it? Yeah, he kind of gets shot, and
2: you think oh, this is going to be a big thing. He's going to bleed out. He's going to die, and then he kind of like just seems to get better from it and then forget like, oh, <laughs> about
1: it because
3: <laughs> it went all the way through. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, some sepsis or something. Something. Yeah. Uh, guys, that gives us an overall score of two point seven eight. Um, oh, not bad. <laughs> a bit lower than I thought, maybe going into this. <laughs> but uh, I, don't know, I
1: think there's a, the, there's a line, and they sort of say near the end, like, "Oh, <laughs> did you ever think this was really going to? You know, we're really going to be able to pull it off?" And I was sitting there going,
3: "No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. didn't. I knew it was all going to go tits up the way exactly like it yeah. did." I mean, I'd monster <laughs> just t- yeah. takes over everything, didn't it? They could have walked away with five million each quite happily and lived a very happy life. Gone in a helicopter, made of the boat, <laughs> made of <the> boat, <laughs> yeah. 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 Didn't have to burn house down, did they? Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you very much for having us on it. Thank you uh, for having us on Just give yeah. us a, a brief rundown on uh, where we can find you. Yeah, what have you got coming up?
0: Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, sometimes. Uh, Matt with one T, Whitecross. Um, and I am, I've am. i got a company called Mint Pictures. It's mint-pictures.com. And um, I'm working with James Gay-Reese um, and Asa Kapadi on uh, another documentary at the moment. So we're just in the middle of prepping on that, and um, I have no idea. I'm hopefully going to be doing some stuff with Iran in the future. We've got a plan for world domination. But, you know, if it involves donkeys at some point, it might go tits (laughs) up. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, and me, I have um, just set up my own production company called Invisible Kid, and we are developing a slate of six to eight projects. Um, One of them is called Shotgun Mama. Which is like a really cool sort of like Kilbu exploitation flick. Uh, got a um, TV show in development in America called CATA, which is like a big dystopian martial arts TV like um, epic set in a dystopian future. Um, Got the Queen's Guard, which is a big action movie that just sold to E1 and in, in pre-production on a sequel to Shifty. So mm-hmm. yeah, various projects. Kind nice. of me and Matt keep the plate spinning, don't we? You've got enough plates <laughs> <laughs> well, I get the
3: impression you guys have to have plates spinning because something might fall off.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, off yeah. The One life, yeah. And you've got to kind of keep them firing. And yeah, and we're developing stuff together that we've been we've kind of come back after, together again after all these years and have been developing a sort of big TV project together. So, yeah, yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. Thank you so much. Great.
1: Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you very on.
3: much. For having us. Thank
1: you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, as always, for listening to this episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Leave us your five-star review on iTunes and follow us at FlixwasherPod on Twitter.
3: Thank you so much to Brendan Russell for his amazing editing skills and to the lovely people, mighty people, for the tunes that you can hear right now.